Um, before we hop into the message today, which I am super excited to, uh, to dig into today, first and foremost, I heard Pastor Erica crushed it last weekend. And um, I was told by a few people this morning that I can stay away, I can officially retire, um, and that was, uh, I was excited about that. And so, um, I'm just kidding, but uh, she did an amazing job kicking our series off, Pastor Andrew downtown, uh, and uh, we're, we're now going to be uh, engaging into week two of the series. Before we get into the message today, though, uh, I need to take a few moments to walk through some um, very, 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 very important news. It is not negative, so stop there. It's very positive news, uh, but we've been doing this all weekend long uh, so that we can get everybody on the same page. So if you're a guest with us today, I just want you to sit back, relax, enjoy the conversation for a few minutes. Um, this is a longer conversation because I got to go through this and then we'll get into the message. Does that sound good? All right. Uh, for the past two weeks, well, more than two weeks, but for those of you who have been here for any length of time at the end of this last year, uh, here at the well, we've been, we've been in a constant building search um, as we've just grown uh, out of this building. We've been looking for a while now, our board, our pastoral team, and everything like that. Um, but this past two weeks has been a very accelerated uh, moment in this journey, and uh, we've been working on some opportunities that have been placed in front of us as a church. Uh, as many of you uh, may or may not know, in recent months, the event organization known as NOAA's has been faced with some unfortunate financial troubles and has recently had to close their business due to bankruptcy. Uh, Due to this, uh, the facility that they had been leasing has become available for purchase by the owners of that building. So NOAA's was leasing the building. They were just in it. So as of Monday, we as a church have a submitted and accepted offer officially placed on the NOAA's facility. So... Yeah. Um. So uh, we are <laughs> really excited about it. Um. So this is uh, this is where the auditorium is going to be. There's a lot of there's a lot of work we need to. Do. It's obviously beautiful, um, beautiful, beautiful. Uh, up here, this is an ice skating rink that they have on the third floor right now. Um, <laughs> pause, pause. We're gonna use this for turkey bowling with children. Let's just take some of our kids and slide slide them across. Uh, just so you know, this melts during the summertime. Just, just a heads up, if you know anything about heat. Um, so, but uh, that's so that's the third floor up there. Um, so, so much, so much, so much stuff um, a part of this this moment, and uh, we are really excited to be able to share this this with you today. Uh, we went under contract on Monday. Um, the, yeah, so. We've been working uh, very, very hard. My my good dear friend, Pastor Seth, has been working his tail off uh, as I've been as I've been traveling and just texting him, like, "Hey, dude, what do we do? Where are we?" At? So um, he's he's just been crushing it um, in, in making this happen, and we're really, really excited um, about what is uh, what is in front of us. Um, crazy part about this whole thing is that there are 16 owners on this building, um, and that's a lot of owners. Um, <laughs> and uh, one of the massive hurdles that we need to get through was that in this process you had to get 16 people on board. Um, they all had to sign off on the deal and so what? just by God's grace we got in just a couple days uh, we were able to get all 16 owners on board to, to submit and then accept this offer. Okay. So 
I need us to know some things. I need us to understand some things. And I'm just going to charge hard at this so that we're at. And hopefully you can hear just the honesty and the truth about all this. Um, that's how we do things around here. We like to be transparent. So here's the first thing I need you to understand. We have a lot of work to do. Yeah. A lot of work to do. There are many steps to this process that we are working through as a pastoral team and, and our board, our financial board. Um, and honestly, I, I would like to say that the easy part is getting the building under contract. Uh, in this case, it hasn't been just because of a lot of the stuff surrounding this building. Um, but now that we are under contract, we have a whole another another ball game to to start playing in. Uh, here's the second thing that we need to understand about this building: uh, we have a 60-day due diligence period and a 90-day close cycle. So that means we've got 60 days and then 30 more on top of that um, to make it happen, give or take. So in other words, uh, we'll be making over the next 60 days. We'll be working to make sure that the building is in good working order, um, that it's able to facilitate that all that we need it to, to make sure that the building isn't something that's got bad parts going on, things like that. Um, as many of you know, if you've bought a home, it'd be the same thing in this, in this moment. We have the opportunity to step away from the building um, if there are things in there that make it so that it's not advantageous for us as a church to, to take it on. Uh, mainly, you have to pour millions and millions of dollars into the building. Um, as at this point in time, this building was uh, built, uh, it's a very new building, so we don't think there's going to be anything that really comes up, but we are doing our due diligence in that um, and, and making all that happen. So at this point in time, we feel very confident there will be no problems with the building due to how new the building is. All right. Um, here's the really, really fun part. Um, in working with our lender, we will need to come to the closing table with a uh, million dollars to have the down payment for the purchase. We would like to do a lot more than that, but that's what is required for down payment. All right. Um, the good news is that with money that we have been saving and money that has come in at the end of the year when we were working on that other building project, currently we have about $300,000 to put towards that. Okay. Um, so uh, that got applause in the second service. Like, I was like... <laughs> Some of you are like, it's still a million. <laughs> My son asked me the other day, he's like, Dad, is that a lot of zeros? And I was like, yes. <laughs> what could you buy with a million dollars? I was like, a lot of Hot Wheels. Um, so... Um, so we've been saving this money. It's money that's come in um, to close the deal. It's a million, uh, a million, just over a million at closing. Um, this means that we have a gap of about 700k to make happen over the next 60 to 90 days. Um, again, we would like to see more. I'd like to actually see us raise a million above that, just so that we can go in and do everything that we need to do. Uh, the cool part about this building is that it's got what we've been looking for in a building as a church is the potential for sustainability. In other words, we have the ability to continue to do events in this building and outsource them, people who want to use the building for weddings and corporate parties and everything like that. And that's what Noah's did in the building and we are currently processing through that. There's a, there's a great degree of sustainability that comes out of this and positions us as a church. Um, in many ways, we could potentially pay for our mortgage through those events, um, which would be absolutely insane. So this is going to change the budgetary ball game for our church. So for some of us, can we just be the church that's okay about talking about money right now? Like, are we good? Like, so, like, let's just... It's just gotta, it takes money to buy things. Um, so, um, so we've prayed, we've sought counsel concerning this opportunity and feel that it's not just a real estate opportunity that we're looking at for, um, for our church, but this is a God opportunity that has been placed before us. Um, the truth is that this building is going to give us the space necessary to continue to offer our ever-growing kids ministry, the space and resources necessary for amazing kids ministry. Uh, you didn't even see all the pictures. There's a lot of space in there um, for, for little children. Um, 
this building will give us the room to provide excellent space and for continued focus on our teen and student ministry, which we are doubling down on this year um, as a church. As well, this building will give us the very necessary space needed for our already full auditorium and adult space um, and, uh, and our continued growth uh, as, a, as a church. As you can see, there's a, there's a ton of space. Um, budgetarily, we outsource a lot of events, like when we have events for team and everything like that. So even budgetarily as a church, we're going to be able to save uh, yearly resource and put it back into what we're doing as a budget for ministries uh, because we'll no longer have to outsource. We can just be at home. Um, and, uh, uh, and I think that's pretty cool. Because how many of you would agree with me? Sometimes it's just fun to eat at home. We don't need to go out for dinner. We just eat at home. And uh, that's, that's, what, uh, that's the heart that I want us to, uh, that I want us to have. And so um, I know that a million dollars, everybody say a million. Everybody say one million. Sounds like a lot of money. Because it is. Super truthfully, it's a lot. But as one of my mentors put it to me the other day, he said this, and I love this idea, and it's just reframing it. He goes, it's a whole lot easier to find a million dollars than it is to find this building again. Come on, how many of you are thankful for wise perspective? (laughs) Right? And he's right. Currently to buy the land and build this exact building right now in our current economy, right now in this valley and in this state, we're looking at anywhere from a 12 to $15 million project. The purchase price on this was $6.6 million. And so we are... So we talk very openly about this stuff here, just so you know kind of what's going on. Um, we have an opportunity in front of us as a church, to put this church in a position in this valley that will set us up not just for years to come, but for generations to come. To be able to own this building in this part of the valley will strategically place us as a church in a position to continue ministering to and reaching a rapidly growing valley. Okay? These next 10 years as a church are some of the most important years as we work to create strength, reach, impact, and sustainability. I'm going to be very honest with you. Um, Right now, I just realized this the other day as we were looking, just kind of looking at this, like I'm approaching 40 years old. Um, Some of you are like, shut up. Um, (laughs) And as I started thinking about approaching 40, I've just been processing with some of my mentors and friends and everything like that. And this next 10 year gap, 40 to 50 years old, right? 10 years is one of the most important gaps that we have as a church and that I have in my leadership, um, to be very, very honest. And so uh, at looking at this 10 years, I'm trying to position us as a church, not for just what we're doing now, but what, for what we're doing for our kids and our kids' kids and our kids' kids. Uh, I do not want the well to be a flash-in-the-pan church. I want our church to be a church that's standing 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, come on somebody, 70 years from now. So, um, this is going to be a, this is a pivotal and significant moment for yeah. our church. You're going to be hearing a lot about this building and everything else that we are positioning ourselves for and in through our motion offering, okay? I'm asking that we all believe big and dig deep. Yeah. Good, you're all with me. That's awesome. I love it. This is not about equal giving, but it is about equal sacrifice. We all have different capacities when it comes to our resource. I'm asking that we all allow faith to direct that resource. And if we all do our best come March 29th for our motion offering, I believe that this goal is not just possible, but surpassable. And we will be able to do everything else that God has called us to do as well. 
Next weekend, we're going to have some of our print materials. Our Motion Magazine is going to be talking about everything that we're doing from Redemption House to Building Homes in Cofordia, Mexico, local outreach, all the things that we're doing. Um, and uh, I want us to make sure that we understand this. This building opportunity is not stopping these things. It is both and. Yes. It is both and. Okay, so we're doing everything that we are uh, de- uh, desiring to do, called to do, and positioned to do. Um, now we're just adding a, uh, a building into the mix. Okay? Um, here's what I do want you to hear. Uh, church is not about buildings. And that's a weird statement to make. But then it's also kind of about buildings, right? Because none of you would go to church in a circus tent in the middle of February. Just a heads up, okay? Um, it's the life change that takes place in these places. I was just talking to somebody after the second service, and they, they literally said to me this. They're like, I just thank God that you guys have your doors open, that we have a church like this that exists in this valley. As they brought a friend who gave their life to Jesus, right? And so... And while it's not, like, it's not that God's, like, bigger and better in this building than he is in this building, right. Right? That's, that's not the truth at all. Um, what we do know is that this is going to help us facilitate the things that we need to facilitate as a growing, uh, as a growing community of people. Amen? Yeah. Amen. You with me? Yeah. All right. So, come on, somebody. I need you to pray. I need you to dig deep. I need you to get ready for March 29th with faith and expectancy. And, uh, and I believe that we're going to see a miracle in our midst. Come on, he's able to do it again, right? He's done it once. He do it again. You guys have no idea how much faith I have right now. Like, like we just, in, like, it, it's like, ah, like, come on. Like, I'm ready to go. Seriously, like, there's just so much faith and expectancy. This is a significant moment. Like, this, there's something. So, I'm going to tell you this. As we dig into this message today, I'm going to preach at you today, okay? I need you to lean in because this message that I want to dig in today is the framework, really, that I want us to have as we push forward into what God is getting ready to do in our midst. Does that work? Luke chapter 5, verses 17 through 26 says this. Do you love your Bible? Yes. If you don't have one, it's on the screen behind me. Luke 5, 17, verses 17 to 26 says this. On one of those days while he was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and also from Jerusalem. And the Lord's power to heal was in him. Isn't it interesting that Pharisees and these people who didn't like Jesus came from all over to see Jesus? Just a little thought to throw out there for you. I think that's weird because none of the rest of us really go to see things we don't like, but that's a different storyline. Just then, some men came. Every shout, men? Men. Carrying on a stretcher a man who was paralyzed. They tried to bring him in and set him down before him. Since they could not find a way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and loaded him on the stretcher through the roof tiles into the middle of the crowd before Jesus. I also find it very interesting that it was the religious people that were blocking the person that actually really needed Jesus. Just put that out there. Seeing their faith, every shall faith. He said, friend, your sins are forgiven. Then the scribes and the Pharisees began to think to themselves, who is this man who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But perceiving their thoughts, Jesus replied to them, why are you thinking this in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk. But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he told the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your stretcher, go home, and he dropped his microphone. Immediately he got up before him, picked up what he had been lying on, and he went home glorifying God. What an amazing story. Right here, set in this backdrop of Capernaum. 
Today, as we continue on in our series, Sacred Eight, I want to speak to you from the subject, for the one. Come on, somebody, for the one. As we look at Jesus' heart for people and how it should define the why for our lives and our church. Will you pray with me just one more time? Jesus, we love you and we thank you for this moment. Speak to us now. We are ready to hear from you. Our hearts are ready. Our minds are open. God, we need your voice, not my voice. We need everything that you have for us. So reposition who we are as your grace does what it does, and your presence does what it does in our lives. In Jesus' mighty name, come on, and everybody shouted, amen. amen. Um, show of hands, how many of you have ever done something uh, dumb, uh, illogical, um, not safe, in order to see something happen? Come on, any hands in here, right? Yeah, most, most of us in here. Um, <laughs> yeah. Maybe semi-illegal. Keep your hands down. I want to be able to pull. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I've done some dumb things in my life. Come on. <laughs> All right. I've done some pretty stupid things in my life. Um, I've gotten hurt in different ways and, and made decisions that probably weren't the wisest. But uh, one, I, I, one decision that we made was when I was in college. And this story really works with me. And I, and I understand the story. I understand dudes who want to carry somebody to the top of a roof and lower them down. Because it's only dudes that would do that. <laughs> right? Like, like uh, listen, I'm not saying anything about like men or women or anything. I'm just saying dudes have a tendency to not think things through. Yeah. Right? Like, it's not, you're never going to see like, hey, Stendy, come on, let's lower her through the roof. Right? <laughs> <laughs> not going to happen. <laughs> so, I was in college and we lived on like the sixth floor of this apartment complex as we are getting ready to move out. A bunch of us guys came together and we started to strategize as to how we were going to move all the furniture out of this out of this condo and um, being the smart biblically educated pastoral men that we were in that moment we all decided that the most effective way to remove a couch from a six-story apartment is over the balcony that's wisdom y'all isn't it amazing how dudes process things because we're sitting in there like thinking through this. None of us, none of us had the idea to just move it through the elevator, like to the elevator and down. And we were really like, well, we don't like, like it's really hard to get it into the elevator. And like, but we got it up in the elevator. <laughs> right? Like that's what doesn't make sense. You could get it down in the elevator, which would require labor and sweat. And we didn't want that. We wanted to expedite this situation. So we all came together and we said, how are we going to do this? So one of my buddies is like, yo, I think if we just lower it over the balcony. We'll attach some ropes to it and we'll just like let it down, lower it and, and we'll be good. Come on guys, you, like, you're all like, yeah, that actually seems like a great idea. Right? And all the ladies are going. <sighs> so we got the ropes. We tied them around, around the couch and we hoisted this thing up onto the, onto the thing and it's teetering, right? It's teetering right there. And instead of the four of us sitting there going like, okay, this, is, this might be a bad idea, all of us started to be like, ah, this is awesome. <laughs> That's the response. And we're all giddy now. We're all like excited in this moment because like, this is going to be so good. And so my friend pushes it. He's like, all right, well, man, just tosses it over. And we watch the couch start to fall, like just tips, right? And all of us guys, we're still just super giddy and excited. And we're just like, this is going to be so great. We're holding on to this rope. <laughs> the four of us just <laughs> cheesing out, right? The couch finally gets weight, starts to tip, and then it goes over. And literally, as it starts to go over and the weight hits the rope, the rope, very long, four guys on it, starts 
it's flying through our hands. So the four of us are like, nope. <laughs> I need these hands. <laughs> so we realized in that moment what we had just done, and the, and the couch just goes plummeting to its, its final death. Couch hits the ground, smashes up to bits. Luckily, there was no children, small dogs, or vehicles <clears throat> in that moment. We looked over, and how many of you know? We looked over, a moment of silence. Oh, that was awesome! Oh. Let's do it again. <laughs> There's not a woman who would do that. No, we wouldn't. No, you guys processed it. No, you, you wouldn't. You would. First, you wouldn't even think about putting the couch over the edge because you're like, there's so many memories on this couch. <laughs> I can't destroy this. Cindy cried there when she broke up with John. <laughs> Come on, how many of you know? How many of you know what I'm talking about? You know what I'm talking about. You know the exact spot. She, she had tears. <laughs> what I love about this story, captured for us in Capernaum, is it gives us two lines of sight on people who had a heart for the one. You see some friends who are willing to go the length to get their friend in front of Jesus and you see Jesus who would stop at nothing to make sure a man's life was changed. We see two people who were about one person. They had a heart for the one. See, Capernaum was no stranger to the miraculous power of Jesus. We know via the Gospels that he would heal Jairus' daughter. He would feed the 5,000. He would catch a miraculous amount of fish. He would heal a demon-possessed man. He would heal Peter's mother-in-law. He would heal this paralytic. He would heal the centurion's servant. And he would heal the woman with the issue of blood. For the one, for the one, for the one, for the one, for the one. For the one. And what I love about Jesus and what I love about this this story that captures these men is that you can tell they saw things in a different light. That Jesus didn't look at the crowd that that was captured in that home, but rather he gazed upon the man that was lowered down before him. Why? Because he was for the one. And so what I want to do just in these last few minutes together is I just want to take some time to help us understand that Capernaum is where we see that Jesus is unequivocally about the one. That Capernaum shows us that where there is still one more person who needs hope, one more person who needs grace, one more person who needs to have a moment with Jesus, wow, there is still one more. Jesus is going to show up. And he calls us to be a part of that journey. This isn't just church. This isn't just an event that we come to. It's a moment that we gather together to, to, to grab a hold of the purpose and the call of God on our lives and then to just go back into our streets, into our workplaces, into the cities, the highways and the byways and give it everything we got to reach. Just Amen. one more. Are you with me this morning? Yeah. So what I want to do is I want to, I want to deal with some truths that we need to understand about being people and being a church that is for the one. Can we do that today? Yeah. I need your help. Everybody shout number one. one. Here's the first truth we need to understand is that we need to see the infinite rather than the finite. That's right. yeah. 
We need to see the infinite rather than the finite. I love this. Luke chapter 5 verse 20. Watch this sentence. Seeing their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. How many of you know that if you're the paralyzed man, you don't care? (laughs) I want my legs healed. Come on, can we be truthful in church today? You're like, if your friends almost killed you by lowering you down through a roof, the last thing that you want to hear Jesus say is, friend, your sins are forgiven. What you want to hear Jesus say is what he would later say, get up and walk. But here's the thing that we need to understand, is that Jesus cared more about the infinite than he did the finite. Jesus cared more about the eternal thing than the temporal thing. Jesus cared first and foremost about this man's soul before he cared about his body. Why? Because people who are for the one care about the condition of the heart before we care about the condition of the outside. Oh, do you know what this means for us as a church? That it does not matter what you look like on the outside when you come into this place. Because we care about what's happening in here. You don't need to clean up to come to church. I mean, wash your hands right now, but... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> we got to see the infinite rather than the finite. I think the unfortunate thing that we've got caught up in as people and as churches and everything like that is we look at the we look at the finite thing in front of us, don't we? We look at like what's right in front. Of, what does it look like right now? Um, how many of you have had your life changed by Disney, Disney movies? <laughs> This is not a trick question. Let's be honest in here. Where are my people at? How many of you watch a Disney movie and you're like, oh my gosh, I've changed forever. Right? Right? Like. Come on, how many dads in here, the minute your boy or girl came out, like you wanted to grab your child and just run around the house. Your wife's like, stop now. Stop. <laughs> We need to have another kid just so I can do that. <laughs> <She's> a... <laughs> hey, here's the thing. I love the character of Buzz Lightyear. Buzz Lightyear makes this comment. He says, to infinity. And we are. All right. And I'm like, what a stupid comment. <laughs> what is infinity and beyond? Come on, think about it. Like, where's beyond infinity? <laughs> This is how I go to Disney movies. I start like looking at all the stuff they're saying. They're like, no, nah, that's wrong. Right? <laughs> to infinity and beyond. I'm like, where, where is that? Like we've got telescopes right now. We've got rockets that are going very like far distances. And we still cannot measure in our heads and in our hearts infinity. Let alone eternity. And it's Jesus who deals with the eternal nature of somebody before he ever deals with the temporal nature of somebody. That's what it means to be for the one. To be a church. And I just, I gotta double down on this as a pastor right now. Because we are not trying to set up shop for a nice Christian country club here at the well. We are trying to set up shop for a hospital. Because there's so many of us in need. First here before anything out here. Amen. Got work to do. See, finite, it's something that has both a beginning and an end. It's objective, it's reachable, it's measurable, it's quantifiable, it's calculated, and we're able to arrive at infinite. Come on, we shout infinite. Infinite. That, that's unreachable and unattainable. And that scares us, doesn't it? 
Come on, somebody. That scares us. Like, did your stomach drop, the married people in here, when it was like, till death do us part? You're like, what? <laughs> and we can't even quantify that. Right. To that, to that statement, it seems like so much. Some of you singles like, I'm just trying to get a date right now. <laughs> Infinite, it's expansive, it's, it's never reachable, it's always ongoing, it's never exhausted, it's, it's always expanding. More so than ever as, as I go to God every day as a, as a leader, as a husband, and as a father, and as a friend. I'm before God and saying, show me, like, would you redo my, my mindset, my heart set to see the infinite rather than the finite? I watched this gentleman in the first service when we gave the moment that we'll give at the end of this service to say yes to Jesus. I said, come on, if that's you today, would you just shoot up your hand? His hand shot up faster than I've ever seen before. And it was like in that moment, it's the infinite. That's the infinite. See, it's one thing to see a man get up and walk. It's another thing to have a soul be made new. Come on. Come on. So, what does it take then if we're going to see things infinitely rather than finite? Well, we have to have a why. Everybody shout why. Why? Right? I've had a lot of people ask me, what's the vision? What's the mission? And I'm struggling with that right now because I don't like vision and I don't like mission. When we live with an infinite mindset, it changes the way that we look at things. So the first thing that it gives us is it gives us a why. Ever shout why? why? What's our why? For the one. Yeah. So if you ever want to know what's the well about, it's for the one. What's the, what's the vision? For the one. What's the why at the well? It's for the one. So when you're getting ready to tell somebody you should come to church, you're now engaged in the why. You should come hang out with us. I don't know if they take people like me. Oh, we do. Why? Because it's for the one. That's our why. That's driving everything. Why do you do what you do at that church? It's for the one. Weekend, week out. Why do you do coffee? For the one. Why do you stand out front in the frigid cold? For the one. Why do you smile? For the one. Why do we do kids ministry? For the one. Why do we do student ministry? For the one. Why do we do what we do? Weekend and week out. For the one. Why do we build redemption houses? For the one. Why do we build houses in Mexico? For the one. Are you you hearing me? Okay. Like, why is he shouting? I'm so excited. <laughs> I got just faith right now. So you need a why, and then you need a just cause. A just cause, check this out. Simon Sinek would put it like this, writer of this book called The Infinite Game. He would say, just cause is a specific vision of a future state that does not yet exist. What if our churches and our vision, you and me, operated moving towards things that do not exist and started, instead of hooking up with things that we want to make happen now? Right. Have you ever noticed that's what we, we tend to do? We get up and I want, now. I have a mindset of now, don't I? For many of us, we operate with mindsets of now. And we create products around now. Minute rice. <laughs> Rice, good rice, should take 20 minutes or more. Not a minute. I'm just saying. (laughs) So we labor towards something. We push towards something. We see something bigger. So we have a just cause around here. So what is our why? Uh, What's our why? 
Here's our just cause. Check this out. This is our just cause. Here at the well, we are building a house that welcomes the least and the lost. A house that beckons the brokenhearted and builds up the beat down. We are building a house that calls out to the castaway and the commuter, the callous and the cast down. A house with its doors open to the marginalized and maligned. It's a house that throws a party for the wayward and binds up the defeated. We are a house that welcomes home the burden and the burnt out, scourges the discouraged, heals the hurting, loves the unlovable, and accepts the unacceptable. We are building a house that is united in cause, resolute in character, intentional with resource, founded on the truth, has Jesus at the center. We are a house where you can laugh and you can cry, you can doubt, and you can dig in. We are a house for this city where we say, welcome home. That's our house. How many of you would say that that sounds pretty infinite? How do you how do you judge that? How do you wow. know whether you're doing that or not? We don't. <laughs> wow. We just keep going. Yeah. Yeah. We just keep going. Come on, am I talking to anybody this morning? And maybe you would find yourself represented in that statement. Maybe you find yourself right now in this moment, in this place, representative of one of these types of people. Welcome home. Yeah. Welcome home. It's our just cause. So what's our why? What's our just cause? <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> so I can't remember why that. <laughs> the cool part is, is it's on our wall. Take a picture of it. For the one. And we're building the house. Number two, every shot. Number two. Here's the second thing that we need to, uh, that we need to grab a hold of. We have to see the cause rather than the criticism. We have to see the cause rather than the criticism. Look at this. Luke 5, 21 through 22. Then the scribes, 21 through 23. Then the scribes and the Pharisees began to think to themselves, who is this man who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But perceiving their thoughts, Jesus replied, why are you thinking this in your hearts? Which is easier to say, that your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk. What I find fascinating, fascinating about the life and the ministry of Jesus is that wherever he would heal somebody, encourage somebody, or do something for the one, he would get pushback, negativity, and criticism. I mean, you, like at, at bottom, like at least, come on somebody, you would think that even somebody else like, that doesn't like Jesus would be like, well, at least he's walking. <laughs> right. 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 Like criticize Jesus as much as you want to, but a dude just got up off his, off his mat. Like the least we'd be able to do is like, hey, he got up. That's awesome. Chalk one up for Jesus. <laughs> right? But that's not what they did. They, they criticized it. What is it about human nature that has a tendency to criticize the good that's happening? Wow. Have you ever noticed? Is it possible that one of the reasons that these guys had to lower their friend through the roof is because the house was crowded with criticism rather than people who saw a cause? Come on. That's good, Pastor. Come on. I pray that we're not a church that's filled with critical people, but rather cause-oriented people. I pray that our places are not full so that people cannot get in because there's a cause, because we're too busy critiquing things and and criticizing things and and, and critiquing the world around us. What if we were a church that said, no, 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 our doors are open. You come in. You don't need to climb on the roof to get into church today. You do not need to climb on the roof and through the roof to engage in the cause. You have an open door. You've got the red carpet treatment because I know in this place Jesus is going to do the miraculous. It's the cause. Can I, 
say this to us today, that when we live big and have big faith and work to do what we do for the one, we will face pushback and criticism. One of my mentors said this this week at a conference I was at with him. He said, it's funny that Jesus in all of his perfection, (laughs) in all of his perfection, he had perfect motive, perfect heart, perfect desire. Would would you all agree that Jesus was perfect? Right? In all of his perfection, he was still criticized. Think about that. So how much more will we be criticized? Think about that. In his perfection, that means he did everything 100% right, and yet humanity is really good at throwing the negative first. Right? How many of you have met the Eeyore person before? We've talked about this before at church, right? It's like, the sun's shining today, it's so beautiful, it'll give you cancer. What? Right? It's this idea. When you build that business, criticism. When you love on those people, criticism. Come on, somebody. Right? When you go after buildings, criticism. When you open redemption houses in neighborhoods in the state of Utah, criticism. When you build homes in Mexico right now, criticism. When you try to restore that relationship, criticism. When you try to live a different way, Criticism. Come on, how many of you remember back to the day when you first gave your life to Jesus, right? And you changed, and your friends were like, you're changing. <laughs> Come on, how many of you know what I'm talking about? I just don't know. You're changing right now. And I'm like, is it good change? They're like, yeah, but we don't like it. <laughs> right? They're like, you used to be the life of the party. And I'm like, I still am the life of the party. It's just not illegal now. <laughs> Come on, somebody, right? <laughs> Like, I'm still the life of the party. I can just wake up in the morning now. It's a different party. Come on. It's a different party. Sorry. (laughs) The question we have to ask ourselves is, do I care more about the cause or the criticism? Because it's going to come. There's going to be words. There's going to be negativity. But come on, somebody. When I am cause-oriented, when I am cause-focused, I see things differently. I do differently. I behave differently. I think differently. Why? Because it's about the cause. Number three, last one. Number three. We need to see the purpose over the situation. Luke 8, 22 through 25. This is the moment that Jesus is on the boat with his disciples. He tells his disciples, he said, let us go to the other side. This is the other side. So there's a promise. Let's, I'm, I'm going to take you to the, the other side. And the Bible tells us that they're on the boat. And the winds and the waves start roaring around them. And the disciples decide to wake Jesus up. In my mind, they get Peter to do it. <laughs> right? Peter's the knucklehead. He's always got his foot in his mouth. He's always doing things. that, like, what are you talking about, Peter? And I think the disciples are like, hey, Peter, go wake up Jesus. <laughs> He's already annoyed with you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> I'm going to chop a guy's ear off soon. So, um, <laughs> that was a Bible joke. Um, <laughs> So they wake Jesus up and Jesus is like, what are, you, what are you doing? And I'm paraphrasing. Jesus, didn't you know that there's a storm happening? No, I was sleeping. Right. 
come on, do you ever just read the Bible sometimes and kind of go like, what is happening right now? I was, I was sleeping. I now know the storm is going on. Is it possible that we are working overtime while Jesus is resting because we don't trust him in his rest? We got to see purpose over situation. When you're on the boat of purpose, there's going to be situations that take place. Can I just tell you that when situations take place, it's not because you're out of the will of God? Have you ever done that before? Oh, there's, there's pushback. I must be out of the will. This is hard. I must be out of the will of God. No. I was sleeping. We've got to reorient. We, we make this so spiritualized sometimes. Did you check this out. Situations run parallel with purpose. Jesus, though, has a promise. Let us get to the other side. When people... When churches, when you and I operate for the one, when we live for the one, we are people who see purpose over the situation. I want to show you a picture. Um, I love this picture right here. This is Michael Phelps, arguably the best swimmer to ever live up until this point. And I cannot pronounce that other dude's name. Um, I love swimming. Any, any swimmers in the house? Anybody? A few of you. Awesome. Cool. You're my people. Okay. Um, I love swimming. I, I love it when the Olympics are on. This was in 2016, uh, at the end of this race that you see right here, Phelps will win his 20th gold medal. 20 gold medals. Becoming the best swimmer of all time. Before this race, this dude right here was talking trash. Like big time. He's overrated. He's done. Because he came back. Phelps came back older. Right? In this race sequence. But he had a purpose. His purpose was to capture those gold medals. So this dude right over here was running his mouth the entire time. What I love about this picture is that that guy in the green cap who's hanging with Phelps right there but paying attention to the situation around him, he would take fourth place. Phelps would destroy him. I used to swim and my coach would say this to me. He goes, Jason, listen, your job is to just run your race. He goes, I do not want you to lose your race because you were looking around. It's okay to lose your race because you're slower, but it's not okay to lose your race because you were looking around at everybody else. Come on. Think about that. In other words, I don't want us to lose our race because we're looking at the situation around us. Phelps right here, he's gazed forward. His eyes are set. His head is down. He's like, I have no care about what's happening around me. And if I lose this race because that person was faster than me, then great. But I will not lose this race because I looked up and broke my posture and made it so that I couldn't win this race. And when we understand the purpose that God has for us that's attached to a promise, it will redirect our posture and we will look at things differently and we'll race differently. And then like Paul the Apostle, we will say, I ran my race. I finished my race. I went to the end of it all. I kept on going. I didn't give up. And when the situations came, I still kept focus. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, there's going to be situations. But there's always a bigger purpose. Yeah. 
There's always a bigger purpose. I've had situations in my life. Some of us are facing situations right now. Financial, health, relational. All right, we're looking at the, the, the news and the media, and I don't want to minimize things. But how many of you would agree with me there's always a situation? How many of you would agree with me that tomorrow there will be another situation? And the day after that, there will be another situation. I'm just wondering right now in this place, can we be the type of church that sees the purpose over the situation? To be a church that's for the one is to be the type of church and to be the type of people that see the purpose over the situation. And if we can do that, our kids, kids, kids as kids, will have the lineage of purpose-driven people that live for the one. You know what I want my son to do? I don't care if he's a pastor or not. He could be a mathematician. He could be a scientist, right? Probably not, but... <laughs> Just being honest. <laughs> here's what I do know. Here's what I do know about my boy. God put his name in our heart. When she was pregnant, we spelt his name J-U-S-T-I-C-E. Justice. And if you've ever met my boy and been around my boy, there's not another kid that I know that cares about the one more than he does. That kid will make sure that everybody's good. Are you, are you okay? Are you doing good? It's for the one. He's an advocate for the one. <laughs> Those are who we're passing this thing off to. That is who we're raising up here. It's no longer about us, guys. It's about those kids coming before us. About the ones standing over here. The ones sitting in those rooms back there. The teens that are sitting in here right now. That's who it's about. And it's for the one that's not in this room yet. It's for the one that's yet to walk in here. It's for the one that can occupy this empty seat over here. You know why I don't like seeing empty seats in church? It's not because I want full churches. It's because I know that there's then a person that needs to occupy that seat. I want full seats because it means that there's another one in the house. That there's another one that's potentially transformed. It's not about having a full building. It's about